0: that metronome on there all right so we're recording what, what are we recording we're just we're just doing a podcast so all right so you might have to talk into the mic just hold up a little a little more
1: what do you want me to talk about <laughs> okay we're gonna we're gonna
0: just get loose do you want to drink
1: no i got a drink right here i'm fine right what now what are you drinking Swabs to derail.
0: Oh, I could use a swabs. Hey, yeah, sweet. Okay, so, you so, you so.
1: So what? So.
0: I just want to bring it all the way back to why I started this. I started this because I got you a journal to write in. Remember that? Oh yeah. And he didn't write in it. So I was like, okay, well, why? Because you're hard on hearing, or you're hard on seeing, and your writing isn't that great. So, I figured I'll spend a bunch of money, and I'll just get a podcast set up, and we'll talk about it. So, that's where we're at, and what do you
1: think? I'm thinking right now. I'm thinking.
0: Is this comfortable? Are you comfortable? Yeah, I'm
1: okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: They can't see us, but you're sitting back in a chair. You know,
1: so... And right now, I've got that much pain in my neck. I have to be very careful. It's Yeah, yeah. Pain's there all the time, and I'm just fighting pain right now.
0: Where do you feel the pain? Everywhere.
1: All the way from my feet. Ever since they did the spinal amblasia, ablation, you did something wrong, and I've been ten times worse after they did it.
0: Where'd you get the spinal emblasion?
1: At Coastal Orthopedics. And the guy... Finally, when I went for the third time, he gave me six shots in my shoulders and my head and it, it made it even worse. And I said, she went back up to talk to him to see what he wanted to do. And he says, I'll just introduce him to a spine surgeon. And he, was, he walked away. Hmm. So, now we're going to be trying... so now, one of the things that Cherian said... And it was brought up to us by the guy that, that comes around from cloud that sprays for bugs out here. And he had his whole leg crushed so bad and they, they finally got it together for him where he can walk. But he was in that much pain that all the stuff they had him on became addictive. So what they talked him into was medical marijuana. And he takes two puffs or two things a day just a puff of it, and he, he's able to work 12 hours a day, six days a week, with no pain.
0: I think so, I think marijuana is probably going to be one of those drugs that help everybody. I mean, it doesn't help everybody, but some well, people I, react I, to I it.
1: went up to get a card. They saw where I'd evidently had one a long time ago, but I gave going. They said I had to wait for the script coming through from the doctor. Dr. Cherry is prescribing a script. Mm-hmm. When that script comes in the mail, I've got to take it there. Then they'll apply for a card and all the necessary that he recommends.
0: Does he recommend any psychedelics like mushrooms or anything in a microdose?
1: We don't know. I haven't got the script yet. Yeah. It's supposed to be in the mail, but... It didn't, it hadn't got here yesterday.
0: So let's bring it back. So how, how old are you? 86. 86. Hoping to make 87. Well, you're going to make 90 and uh, plus.
1: One bet on it. So where did you grow up? I grew up in a, well, where did I start? I started in a little coal mining village called Featherston in Yorkshire, England. And then when we were, when I was five years old, we moved to another little mine in town called Upton. And that's where we spent most of our life in Upton, which is uh, in Yorkshire. Worked in one of the deepest coal mines in the coal mining industry.
0: How long did you do that for?
1: I worked in there, I went to down the mine. At, I was 15 years old. And when I came out and emigrated to the United States, I was 26. So I worked there from 15 to 26, worked on a coal mine that was a half a mile deep, straight down, and sometimes as far as 15 miles out to the coal face. And you used to ride a little special diesel train that would take you out to the coal face. And on some coal faces, they were only three foot high. And if you worked in what they call the Barnsley bed seam, those were all six foot and higher. Those were real, those were bituminous coal and they were very hard coal. The kind of coal that they used in power plants for firing up, for generating electricity. And the other coal was a different type of coal and it's a small coal and people used to use that in their fireplaces because everybody had a fireplace. Nobody had electricity. So he had a regular fire with an oven, and everything was cooked on a fire in a fireplace in the kitchen. And that was down in the mines? And that was from coal mine. If you worked at the coal mine, you got a ton of coal every, t- every month. You got 12 months a year. When my dad passed away, he was 42 so immediately, we stopped getting coal. So we used to have to try to go pick it off the off the pit tips to make ends meet. So as soon as I was 15, and I was able to get down the coal mine, I was able to get a ton of coal, so we were back in business, being able to get coal again. Because on a widow's pension, they only got four loads a year. Well, four loads wouldn't last. 12-ton is what you needed a year just to last. And we were only getting 4-ton, and we were running out of coal, so we were having trouble. So that's why I went down the coal mine, and I got back to 12 loads a year.
0: Do you still keep in touch with some of the guys you worked with?
1: They're all gone.
0: Did they continue uh, coal mining when you left?
1: Oh, no, the last one that opened up, it opened up, The week that I left and flew out to England, flew out to the United States, we sailed out of Southampton on the boat, Queen Elizabeth, and there's a coal mine called Kellingley and it had just opened up, did Kellingley, and it was the last big coal mine to open up. Two years ago, I found out that Kellingley was the last coal mine in England and they had just closed it down. So there are no deep coal mines in England anymore.
0: Wow. Didn't you say one of them blew up?
1: The one that I worked in all the time was always on fire. In fact, two of my friends, two of them got killed with an explosion and a collapse. So that was when... Then other of my friends were all moving to Canada and Australia. So we decided, my, my wife's... And lived in Sarasota, Florida, so my wife's mother said, why don't you go to Florida instead of Canada? So we made the decision and we came to Florida, and we've been in Florida ever since, since 1963. That was a good year, then, for you. Yeah. We sailed out to Southampton, England, on November the 1st, 1963, which was my mother's birthday, which was a terrible thing to do, to see her crying there as we sailed away, but we did it, and we've had some tough times, but we've been all right over the years.
0: Yeah, that's not easy for her, but I'm sure she understood.
1: She understood, and she came to visit us twice. In fact, one of the things that happened, my older sister and my younger brother They also emigrated over here. So the only one that was left was my younger sister left over there looking out for her. And it wasn't easy. And then my younger sister passed away. And so everything went to hell in a handbasket. My older sister and my younger brother, they both passed away recently in the United States. They do have family here, but uh, we don't... Conversed. In fact, I've been trying to converse with one of the girls today and she's come back on the phone and told me, I don't know who you are, quit trying to call me. Wow. And we've got a phone number and I've got a name and she speaks to my daughter all the time, but she doesn't know me. And right now she's looking after my wife's oldest brother who's still alive and he's living with them in East Bradenton.
0: Yeah, I would have Grant on the, pe- on the pod, but I don't have another XLR no, cable. Yeah. But there'll be, a, there'll be another time. Yeah. So after the coal mine, when you came back here, what did you do for work
1: and whereabouts did when you When I work? came back here, my first... no this is this is
0: perfect I, this is yeah, this is what I want to hear as long as it's not too touchy, yeah, if it's too touchy, you know we won't we won't go there. I can edit it out whatever
1: when I, when I came back here, I went to work with my wife's uncle, Uncle Baron, he had a welding business, and he was into the uh, bing of welding water towers and things like that, so my first trip was to Jacksonville with him to work and help him build a a water tower. Well, the heights, I didn't like the heights and the, the conditions, working on a tower. And so I came back and the next week, I signed up for a job at Tropicana as a oiler and greaser. And I spent my life, the next 33 years, working at Tropicana, making orange juice, and I became the plant superintendent, worked my way up from oiler and greaser, making a dollar and five cents an hour, all the way up to plant superintendent. And what they call you? Well, they, <laughs> they had a bunch of names for me. Some of them I can't repeat at this time. But Mr. Rossi, the Italian that owned the business, saw what I had and he sent me all over the world look, he sent me to England to look up equipment and buy equipment. So I traveled the world for him for a while. So everything was going well, and he he took care of me.
0: But they called you the Grease Monkey, if I do remember. That's what
1: I was called. I was called (laughs) the Grease Monkey.
0: got to start somewhere. It's all good.
1: Yeah, it was known as the Grease Monkey, but you know, people used to call me, they'd say, where's he at? I said, who are you looking for? Oh, the Grease Monkey. Well, he's He's up in the fruit bins greasing, so they'd come looking for me. Because with my coal mine days, I was the only one that knew how to fix conveyor belts real quick and relay them and fix them, so they'd always come looking for me to fix any belt that was broken. So that's how I finished up in total charge of the maintenance group in fruit receiving.
0: Trying to mess with the echo. Or we shouldn't be. Didn't you, uh, weren't you a pilot?
1: Yeah, I used to, I bought some acreage and I was build, building a house and I used to be mowing the acreage and I could see little planes flying from the Sarasota airport flying across. And I used to look up and say, one day I'm going to do that. And lo and behold, I went to a place called Jones Aviation, which is no longer there. And I signed up with a young woman that teaches you how to fly. Her name was Sam. And I started learning in a Cessna 152, then I extended to a 172, then to a Cherokee 6. So I flew several planes and I finally got my pilot's license, flying in and out of Sarasota. But that's been a long time ago. Don't think I could fly anymore right now.
0: Well, if it was just us in a room and we had to get the hell out of here and we had a plane, I'd probably rely on you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was very interesting. It was uh, very nice to be able to fly around. I used to fly across the state to a little restaurant and land in the middle of the state We'd eat at the restaurant and then fly back home. One of my friends who was in the business wanted to learn to fly. His name was Bobby King, and he used to fly with me, him and his wife. And by the way, Bobby King is the only one out of the Tropicana bunch that's still alive today. We converse on a daily basis by phone. Uh, He won't get on, on FaceTime, but he will talk on the phone, so... That's as good as anything, but right now I can't get the to visit him because I can't drive.
0: Does he not understand the Facetime? Or he just doesn't? He like understands the
1: way Facetime, us? but he just will not take part in it.
0: <laughs> yeah, you guys got old souls. You don't yeah. want to. You don't want to get with the times, just like the setup, the whole podcast setup. I know you were a little wary about it, but now that we're doing it, do you feel good?
1: Yeah, I feel okay.
0: Perfect. That's I just I don't want.
1: know where it's going, though. That's you know. Who's listening?
0: Who's listening? Me and you.
1: Oh. And then
0: it's getting recorded, so I'll touch it up, do what I need to do at the end of it, and and then I'll put it out on YouTube. I'll probably have a YouTube. But like I said in the intro, I'm not really looking for this to go anywhere. Yeah, I I just
1: I just want to
0: have conversations that get recorded. Yeah.
1: So life has been, we've been in and out. We've, we've, we became very fortunate. Uh, when I uh, when I was working at Tropicana, my my best friend, who's me Doctor Mister Ira Webb. Uh, when I told him I was leaving because I I had another job and I wasn't making enough money, he says, "What?" He says, "I have plans for you." He says, "Will you stay if I meet what they're they're paying you?" I says, yeah, but I says, based on the union principles, I says, it would be terrible if the union got to know that you were paying me more. I says, it wouldn't be right for the company or for Mr. Rossi to get the union involved with me getting some extra money that other people couldn't get. So a week later, he came back, he says, you're right. He said, we can't do that, but what we can do... He says, every two weeks you go in and see my Mr. Rossi's secretary and she'll give you $400 cash every two weeks. And that's what happened. And I was getting $400 cash every two weeks. And he kept everything. But then I made the mistake of mentioning it to my brother-in-law and then all hell broke loose two years after. But that being said, Mr. Rossi took care of me. Four hundred bucks. When was this? Four hundred bucks back in the sixties and seventies was a lot of money. That's quite a bit of money. Yeah, compared to now, you can't even buy a house. Compared to now, and back then, I was able to working where I was working at Silver Springs. I was able to buy two homes on on Anna Maria, and I bought two homes in Mount Dora, and lived in those for a while before I sold those. So now I'm in Northwest Bradenton in another house that had been recently built and enjoying every minute there.
0: Lovely home. Yeah. We always miss the Anna Maria home, but...
1: Well, the Anna Maria Island home was a great home. It was on the water, but with all the traffic and all the people that were coming, it got so busy that it would take you an hour just to get onto the island and an hour to get off. till it got to the point where the family, it was too much trouble to try to make the trip down so, so often. So we finally decided to sell and move off the island, and that way we'd be close to the family. So that's why we did it. But we had a good time on the island, met a lot of good friends, and had one good real estate guy out there that helped me buy and sell all my homes. His name was Richard Freeman, and he's no longer around. He passed away a year and a half ago. But he did a lot of good for me in the home buying business. So based on his help and his, his helping the business, that's why I own this home today. He showed me where it was, told me how to get it, and that's why we're here right now.
0: So I want to know about the places you've traveled around the world. What's the, what's the best place that you've been?
1: Well, we've been to, uh, we've been all over Aruba. We've been to Jamaica. We've been to many places. We used to like to go back to England, but when the family started to split up, we didn't make many trips there. But we went to Scotland, spent a lot of time in Scotland, So we've traveled the world. And in fact, it was in England that Mr. Rossi sent me to look at some equipment that a British company was making to put small bottles and cans up. So I went over, looked at it, and they brought the equipment over and I helped install it and monitored all that was being done on it. So I've been all over the world in many places. Spent my honeymoon in... uh, Spade. Ooh, that sounds like fun. Yeah, it was fun.
0: When did you meet Grant?
1: Met Grant in nineteen fifty-six. We verify this. No, nineteen. Nineteen. I can't remember.
0: Grant, is it nineteen fifty-six?
1: Nineteen fifty-seven. Fifty-seven. And we got married in nineteen fifty-nine.
0: Long marriage. We yeah, we got mine on June long.
1: June the first, nineteen fifty nine. Yeah. And we've been together ever since. And
0: that's when your life ended.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no. If it wasn't for her today, I don't know what I would be doing right now. She's
0: amazing. She really yeah, is. Yeah, she's amazing.
1: amazing. What she can do for me and what she's been doing. I haven't been very appreciative in recent days, but she knows I still love her.
0: Yeah. That's a long marriage, and yep. you know the ins and outs of each other, so yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you're at each other's throats all the time. Yeah. I want to go to Aruba. Sounds like fun.
1: Well, we went to... I can't even remember the... Where's Grandma now? Does she remember the place we rent in Spain? Uh, She'll come walking back. We'll ask her.
0: So... I do want to know, what, where do you see the changes in the world from when you grew up to now?
1: Right here, every worldwide. The changes have come and gone. I mean, there was nobody worried about, I mean, yeah, you, you went to work to get a job and, and, and tried to build a life, but it's not like today. Everybody wants a freebie. They all want something given. Nobody wants to work anymore. In fact, I had a young guy come out to do some electrical work and he says he can't get people hired because nobody wants to work. And that's what's changed. It's got to the point where everything they think should be free and free for everybody and that's not the way life is, you know. You have to work, you have to earn it and that's the way life is. And if you change and if you think it's gonna be a different, you better get another life.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm a I'm a fabricator welder and I make 23 an hour and it's the most money I've made hourly. As opposed to the banana boat, I made 30 bucks a trip, which is great. Um, but 23 an hour, you pull in 700 800 bucks a week. It's just not quite enough. You can save well, it, but
1: well, I, I agree with you to this point. If you go back to 2000 to, to January the 20th 2000 right that's a, that's a very specific date what what does that have to do that was the day that Joe Biden was made president oh. at that day and up to that point the most we were paying for regular gas was a dollar 85 9 and it could be as high as two twenty, but it was a dollar eighty-five nine a gallon. The day that he was inaugurated he signed the pipeline, killed the pipeline, gasoline went sky high, and that's when $22 an hour became insufficient. It's not enough to cover the cost of inflation today. When you're paying three to four to five to six dollars a gallon. Just for gasoline, think about what you're paying for anything else. For instance, we buy coffee, beans, to have it ground, we buy it in a one pound bag. In nineteen twenty, before the inflation started, I was paying eleven ninety-eight for the bag. Today that same bag is fifteen ninety eight. And if you weigh the bag, you'll find out that it doesn't have as much in the bank, So that's what's happening today with what's been going on since January the 20th, since Inauguration Day. So if anybody would take my advice, this coming November, the following November, November 24th, you have to get these people out of office, vote somebody in that will control all the pricing and bring inflation under control and put everything back where it's supposed to be, where people can live without looking for a double paycheck. Some people are having to work three jobs just to make ends meet, and that's not right. Having a job is the right way to do it, but having to work three jobs to support yourself and your family is just not right. That's
0: just one little problem that we have going on. We have the border. The border, there are people just coming in here. Well, the
1: border control was under control in 2020. When they opened up the border, they opened it up for a specific reason. That specific reason is to get these people in, give them free everything, and allow them to vote. And once they get them in... The, the, the Democratic Party, which is a corrupt party, would stay in forever, and we would be in trouble forever. So that's why this thing needs closing off. The guy in Texas is doing a good job trying to close it off, but the Biden re- regime will not let him do it. So until the border is closed, we'll, we'll always have this problem. Right now, there's 8,000 more people on the way here, now where are those eight thousand people going to go? They're going to be fl- flitted around the country, and nobody'll never know where they're at, and we'll have to support them from day one. It's time they were all deported, and come in the legal way, just like I did when I came into New York on the Queen Elizabeth they wouldn't let me get off the boat until my paperwork was signed and sealed and everything was in place. If there was anything wrong with my paperwork, they wouldn't have let me get off that boat. So there's no reason why people should be able to come through the border without going through the same procedure. Cover the paperwork, do it legally, come legally, spend the time like you're supposed to, And there'll be an open border for you that way. But to walk across, swim across, come in illegally, that is not the way and should never happen.
0: I do feel for them, though, because if if you have to swim here, that means there's something really wrong where they're coming from.
1: Well, that's why I say we should go take care of the places that they're coming from and make sure they can stay where they're at and live there without all the interference they get. All they have to do is blink wrong and they get killed. And that's because they're being run by drug cartels and and dictators and things like that. And until you get the dictatorships out of the way and the drug cartels killed, they'll never have a place to live that they can call their own. So my place is this. What's happening in Gaza right now where they're trying to eliminate the Jews, I just hope and pray that everything, they're hiding behind the Palestinian people. If the Palestinian people were to stand up, the Hamas would kill them and shoot them. They're being used as shields. So I believe what Israel is doing the Israeli Defense Force is doing everything the right and they should eliminate Hamas and all of those people that are associated with them and relieve the Palestinian people to become the people they used to be, not what they are now. End of story. Do you see a World War Three on the rise? I'm not
0: hearing you. Do you see a World War Three on the rise?
1: I don't know, I don't see a World War III on the rise because I will tell you this, if we ever get the previous president we had in on November the 24th of uh, November 2024, they all know what he will do and how he will control them. It was that way before Biden took office, now we're under control of everybody. So until we get a president like Donald Trump, that will stand up to them and tell them... And if you remember, Donald Trump is the only president that never took a paycheck. He took his paycheck and donated it to the veterans and the veterans of foreign wars. He gave his paycheck away. He did his job for nothing. Yeah, but He's a rich guy, though. He made his money the right way. Nobody can... Pay. Everybody has an opportunity to do the same thing. He was smart enough to do it, but he knows now that he needs to do something for the people of America. And until we get him back in, we're going to be in trouble from day one. And if we don't get him back in, I believe there will be a World War Three. I, I like Trump. I'm, uh, I'm a big Trumpie. Yeah, I know I'm you a Trumper, too. and I've I've lived through World War Two. I was raised in World War Two. It started in 39 and finished in 45. I was born in 1937, so nobody can tell me what world wars are about. I know what World War II was about.
0: I really hope we don't have another one.
1: Well, there's only one way to stop it, and that's to put a president in charge that says, you make a move and I will stop you. And I will stop you in a way that you will never make the move again. And until we get that in place, there'll all be rumors and rumors of wars as long as we live. I got to quit talking now, Robbie.
0: Well, you're making my life easy.
1: <laughs>
0: okay. All right, what do we have here?
1: Looks like some El Dorado twenty-seven year, twenty-one year old rum. Is it?
0: I don't know when I got you this, but I definitely got you this. Do you know what it was for? Was it for your birthday?
1: I believe it was eightieth.
0: Eightieth? No, that was that was too long ago. Eighty-fifth, I think.
1: It might have been.
0: Eighty-fifth. El Dorado, aged twenty-one years, finest are how do you say that? Demerara? Demerara rum. Demerara rum. Say that ten times fast. Anyway, we're going to crack her open, have a sip. You're not drinking any, are you? Will you do it for me? You, you're fine. I'm not there you go so We'll see if I can squeeze a little drink in them. <laughs> and I need your help. Set the mic down. Special Reserve. So have you ever listened to any podcast before?
1: No, not at all.
0: This is the first time in the whole world of it. Yep. So I could put you onto a couple if you just sit sitting around all day and wanting something to do. There's a guy named Joe Rogan. Has, have you ever heard of him? Yep. He does really, really good podcasts. Please uh, don't spill that. I won't.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Um,
1: yes.
0: Well, I can give it to you, and you can pour it. I'm a little, a little constricted over here with the wires. I just want a little bit. A healthy pour, but still a little bit, because I'm not drinking right now. You, you want this just as is? Yes. Yes. Just as, and then if I'm not loving it, we'll put some ice in it. I think I'll love it. What would you end up doing on your 85th? So long ago, I don't remember.
1: Nothing much that I know of. They're just like any other birthday. I believe the last one we remember doing something, we we all went to Sarasota for my 80th, and we ate in a restaurant in Sarasota. But yeah, as, that... far as far as the 85th, it's just...
0: But I think the family was a little more... United at that point. Yeah,
1: they were. We were all together at that time, so we all ate down there at I forget where, somewhere just inside Sarasota.
0: Connors, I think it's called Connors.
1: No, it was. Uh, 50th wedding anniversary. In um, uh, they called that restaurant Bijou Cafe. Yeah, the Bijou Cafe.
0: Bijou Cafe. Well, my mom and dad got divorced a year and a half now. I don't think we've been very united since, but
1: no. it's a, it's broken up, yeah, no sure doubt. It it's a shame, but no, it's, it's yeah. You know, we just have to keep moving on, though.
0: Well, let me drink to that. Yeah, here
1: we go. Drink to moving on. I'm just kidding. Wow, Is it good? it's like drinking honey. It's that plus añejo, are two of the best rums they make, demerara and añejo.
0: Wow. Whew. So we closed off with. Uh,
1: I probably shouldn't put it there. No, oh, please, I'll hold it. please. I know you know why? Stressed. Why? You see that carpet. We've had it clean one time, but they've ruined it. How much do you think that carpet
0: costs? <laughs> Let's call it 3000 Keep going. What? Who would spend more than $3,000 on it? All right, 5000
1: Keep going. The price is not right. Let's do 7000 Keep going. What? It was just under eight.
0: Well, get you an $8,000 rug and you won't trip on it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you, won't, you know why you won't trip on it? You're afraid to step on it. Yeah, you, won't,
0: you won't step on it, exactly. You won't
1: step on it.
0: Well, to each his own. To each his own. I don't know if in my lifetime I'll be buying an $8,000 rug, but you can say that you have.
1: Well... You can all go look at them. You don't have to buy them. Yeah.
0: I've actually been looking. It has nothing to do with rugs, but I've been looking into RVs. And my boss, Cole, he has an RV. He paid 90 grand for it. And if, well, he didn't pay full 90, he paid 14000 And his payments are like $800 a month. So if you can find yourself a plot of land and you can put the RV on it, I mean... He said something about using the equity towards the loan for the house, and hey, it sounds foolproof, you know, but I've been thinking about doing that, probably not the ninety thousand dollar one but
1: you know, so, so okay, so where are you going to put it? Well, <laughs>
0: you need land, but that's I was thinking Montana or oh you talking somewhere maybe in Texas, Texas is cool, but yeah. We all, I we all like to dream. Not something you would do in your younger years. But you got to say it's cheaper than buying a house.
1: Yeah, but you got to remember the house is there and it's there and it's there. And you put money into it. It's an investment. It is a savings investment. You put money into the RV and it's throwing it away. Appreciates Depreciates.
0: Well, not by a lot. How much do you think it would depreciate? 30000
1: It uh, it's gonna depreciate whether you like it or not.
0: Yeah. But you use it as a cheaper solution. But the, Get you land. gotta
1: remember, somebody's got if you're gonna sell it, somebody's got to come and buy it. Well, you would sell it
0: back to the people you bought it from, because it would be What
1: well, if they don't sell it that way?
0: Well then your sh your SOL. Right. But the way I was thinking about it was do it the way Cole did it. Use the equity towards the, uh, the house. And then when you build the house, you don't need the RV anymore. You live in the house. I'm sure there's some sort of string attached somewhere along the line, but it is a cheaper solution. Um, and then you would have a fully built house the way you want it.
1: Well, when we bought the acreage out there and I built the house on the acreage down in Sarasota... We went looking in an, an RV. We almost bought an RV, but not to live in, to travel in and uh, vacations in. And to me, that's what an RV is all about. It's yeah. it's, its a vacation spot. But we realized, didn't we, that we never really got a vacation much. No, I'm not a... There's things that... You know, I'm not an RV fan. If I'm gonna invest money, I'm gonna look for the place that I can invest the money that I know over time, and I'm not talking over two or three years, over time. There comes a time when you're retired, you may want to downsize or whatever. You want to have something that will bring money back in. For instance, I'm just gonna give you a for instance, okay? We keep talking about it. Go ahead. And the house on 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 Anna Maria, the little one that we bought on Bayview Drive, now we, did, we put a pool in and we cleaned it up and did everything, right? And we lived in that little house. We made $150,000 for it. Now we improved several things and did some rework on it with the pool and everything. But what, what we sold it for? 750000 So that's the kind of thing, deals you want to make is what can I buy that I know full well with a little bit of investment to it I'll double or triple my money.
0: Well the worst thing I ever did was not buy a house a house at 11 years old because if I bought a house at 11 years old that's when the right time was to buy a house.
1: Well there's no right we're, time. We're all shit out of luck here. That's yes.
0: my generation.
1: Well it's like like that guy across the corner. Fusilla put his house up for sale and he works for Air and Energy, just Fusilla. That woman and that guy, she works for the FBI. She's in there. They had five offers on that house almost immediately. She wanted it so bad, she offered them $100,000 more and got it. Money talks. Bullshit She's walks. Huh? She's an FBI agent. Wow. That'd be the first person I've ever known
0: that works at... Yeah.
1: No, he's an FBI... He has a business on uh, Anna Maria. He remodels and does all that kind of stuff. So... I
0: put some of that in eggnog with... You mix it with eggnog? Yeah, that... It, it's, it's really good, don't get me wrong, but yeah. Yeah, it'll sit there at the back of your throat.
1: Well, that 8-year-old, they if you can find Añejo, which they make it, but it's hard to find. Now all you can find is 8-year-old, and it's not the same blend. It's, it's probably ju- cheaper, I
0: don't know, something.
1: Well, it, it's a different blend, and it just doesn't taste good. Where did we go? Was it a river or somewhere? When uh, we picked Añejo for $6 a bottle? Oh, that was when we were on the boat. We brought it off the boat with us. but añejo is out to come by
0: the solution is just to stop drinking
1: yeah. yeah yeah
0: and i i do try this was the first day in a little bit that i uh, had that but i think it's worth it because look el dorado 21 yeah. years yeah
1: Well, you have to be you have to be careful of what you do. A drink is nice to have a a a, a potful every time is not
0: yeah. and we know some people that have a potful
1: yeah so. it and it's wrong. I mean you might think it's all right, but it's not good.
0: I wonder what's going on in some of those people's brains like what what just makes them keep going? Do you think it's just an absolute addiction? your body needs it?
1: I don't know what it is. Uh, I was never involved with a family like that. My dad used to like to go every once in a while to the club and have a drink on a Sunday. but And he would bring a bottle of milk stout, you know what they call milk stout, home for my mo- mother to drink. But other than that, we, we never had liquor in the house. But my dad used to bring a little bottle of sherry. My yeah. So it's certain people, I mean, it just alcohol as is like some drugs. It has a way of distorting you and you don't even know it's doing it. But it does it.
0: Yeah, the way I'm treating this right now is like a celebratory drink. First podcast, it's going really well. <laughs> I need yeah. to get you a mic and a and a headset. We'll get you on here. <laughs> yeah, she will. <laughs>
1: But But I have nothing wrong with anybody having a drink. Yeah. Yeah. It's when you see somebody sit down and before you turn around, they're into the 10th and 11th drink. Just keep going. There's no reason to. Because it becomes a point where it's not enjoyable. It's just kicking your ass. And it's like me. Yeah.
0: Every, everybody wants a free but, drink. But like me,
1: I've always, whatever I've had to drink, has always been rum. I don't drink a lot of it. But I'm not a whiskey fan. I'm not a gin fan. Rum is the only one that I, I drink. Uh, if I went out, I'd have two drinks, and that would be it. Yeah. Rum. Yeah.
0: There's something about whiskey doesn't exactly perk you up. It's uh, just rum well, for me.
1: what did they used to take on the big old on um, boats? Rum. Rum. Yeah. I was thinking about the Pirates of the Caribbean, Caribbean. Jack yeah. Sparrow. Yeah. Well, that's that's what they did. Rum.
0: Yeah. Okay. So. This went extremely well. You made my life very easy, the way you just held conversation. I didn't have to talk much. Uh, we'll definitely do this again. Did you like it?
1: Yeah, I like it,
0: yeah. I'll get three headsets and mics and go, go again. All right? Sounds any, good. Any closing statements, anything you want to promote?
1: No, nah, not that I know of.
0: No. Okay. What do you think the name for the podcast should be?
1: I'm going to let you pick that.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, you saw what...